Chapter 23, Fire We didn't mean to set it on fire. Salma runs in front of me, arms outstretched, as if she can block my view of the house. Tears are streaming down her face, leaving thick trails in the soot and ash coating her skin. We were going to help my father set up his stall, but we noticed your house was facing the other way, and we thought that was strange, so we were just looking, and then Lamia said that she thought she saw giant legs under your porch and bones on the floor. I said that was stupid, so I lit the match to prove her wrong, and she takes a deep, juddering breath. I saw a skull, and I panicked and fell, and then there was fire everywhere, and we couldn't put it out. It all happened so quickly. I'm so, so sorry. Her face crumples in confusion. Why is there a skull under your house? I push past Salma and run to my house, but strong arms grip my shoulders, and a deep voice tells me it's not safe. Men and women rush back and forth, carrying water and shouting to each other. Lamia is sat on the floor, rocking and muttering something about skulls and huge claws. This is all my fault. If I hadn't kept Nina from the gate, Baba wouldn't have gone with her, and I wouldn't have ended up here in this stupid market with Lamia and Salma. Why couldn't they leave my house alone? Smoke billows into the night sky. My whole house is burning, blackening inside a monstrous, roaring fire like the fire that took away my parents and my life. I stare at it in disbelief. For as long as I can remember, I've been haunted by visions of a Yaga house in flames. But this is real, right in front of me, a fire blazing hotter and huger than I ever could have imagined, threatening to take away everything I love now, my house, Jack, Benji, all my hopes for the future. Jack, I shout, struggling against the arms holding me. The walls of the house creak and crackle, and my body flickers. Like the wispy dead, I pass right through the arms holding me and rush toward the house. Jack! I call again, as loud as I can, then cough as ash-filled air hits the back of my throat. He flies down out of the smoke, smashes into my shoulder, and scrambles into my arms. Jack! I sob. Where is Benji? Jack flaps awkwardly toward the back of the house, and I race after him. The porch is alive with flames. I lift my arms to shield my face from the intense heat and edge closer to the fire. Benji is bleeding madly, banging against the bones of his shelter. I step onto the porch, the heat and smoke burning my lungs. My dress feels like it is melting onto my skin. Benji pushes his head through the gap near the rain barrel and calls me urgently. I kick the barrel once, twice, three times, and it crashes over splashing the bones and sending steam into the air. The flames fall back a little and I fumble with the latch on the shelter, but my fingers keep fading in and out. Before I can open the shelter, the whole house lurches sideways and I have to grab the balustrade to stay upright. The ground swings away as the house rises up, its legs on fire, crackling in the heat. People shout and scream below, their shocked faces shining through the smoke. Stop, I yell squeezing the balustrade with both hands. The living can see! But then I realize there's no choice. Putting the fire out is far more important. The house runs faster and faster, jumping over people, market stalls, and buildings. Flames and smoke fly behind us like hair. Burned shards of wood fall to the ground like tiny meteors in slow motion, and sparks dance like fireflies around us. The blur of harbor lights reflected in the calm of the ocean lies ahead. With a final giant leap, 
The house soars through the air and lands with a sizzling splash in the water. A cold wave slaps over me. Benji cries and Jack squawks loudly. I slip on the floorboards and taste salt and charcoal on my lips. The house creaks and sighs, sloshing from side to side until all the flames are extinguished and we're sitting in a great smoldering cloud of acrid smoke. Jack flaps onto my lap amid a spray of gritty water. I wrap my arm around him, drag us both to the back door and push it open. He slops into the house, a mass of slippery wet feathers, and I go back for Benji. By the time we're all safe inside the damp, blackened front room, the house is on the move again. Splashing through the shallows, stepping over sand, running through the desert, and climbing uphill into mountains and forest. I find blankets on the high shelves in Baba's room. They stink of smoke, but at least they're dry. I peel off my clothes and wrap myself in them, sit in Baba's chair with Benji on my lap and Jack on my shoulder, and we sway gently together as the house gallops on through the night. I'm so sorry, I whisper to the rafters. I didn't mean to trick you or upset you. It's just that I miss Baba so much. Bringing her home means everything to me. She's the only person I've ever known and loved, and I'm scared to live without her. I need her. Not just so she can guide the dead and save me from being a guardian. I need her here to love me and keep me safe. A vine curls down from the rafters and wraps around me. It thickens as it holds me close, and I lean my head against its soft, velvety bark. Tendrils coil over Baba's headscarf, which is bunched up in my hands, and as they entwine with the fabric, I realize, for the first time, that the house misses Baba too. Take us somewhere deserted, I say, somewhere, where no pe somewhere with no people at all. I've had enough of the living. I want things to go back to the way they were, just me, Baba, and the house guiding the dead.